You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Well, there you go. We waste absolutely no time in getting into Straight Talk. Straight Talk is your opportunity to call in the show. This is a, So this is your opportunity as listeners to actually uh, help direct the show by asking your questions or even, you know, it doesn't... I mean, we're encouraging questions, but even if you have thoughts or something you want to share on the on the radio, you can call 877-795-0122. Now, you can either be on the radio yourself, or you can just submit the question when you call in and not be on the radio if you don't want to be. Or you can go on our Facebook page, and you can submit a question that way. And so, again, the number is 877-795-0122. After a long... Um, after a long weekend and the start of a school year, I think some people might be a little bit tired or, I don't know, we'll see if uh, we get um, uh, callers. In the last couple of months I've done this, we've had a lot of good callers, or at least a lot of good questions, and so hopefully that'll happen again. The last time I was with the post, <clears throat> we had a lot of questions, so I'm hoping because maybe I helped spur that, 877-795-0122, but... Let's get some questions out there for you to answer. And Looking as I look forward to see them light up green. And as I always say, they always come towards the end of the half hour segment. And so let's change that. 877-795-0122. We'll see if Pastor Rowley actually calls in because he actually asked for that number as he was leaving. We and should so, have gave it to him on a piece of paper because he's yeah, probably driving. That's right. But Pastor Rowley, if you're listening, that's 877-795-0122. By the time you get back to the Senate office, we'll still be taking your questions. That's right. 877 right. I'm, I'm excited about this new um, uh, Theology Uncapped because, number one, we haven't done it for a year, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a great program. Number two, we do have a new um, uh, um, you know person after yep. Pastor Coates had to, to move on to uh, bigger and not better things yep. down in Iowa. And so it'll be good to have Pastor Raleigh. Great topic. Sold out in record amount of time. People have been asking for the last four months, are you coming back? Are you coming back? So we're very excited to be back, and it's going to be a fantastic event. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, um, again, You better prep. You better really prep. He's really? Pre- he's prepping, yeah. Oh, well, I'm not too worried. <laughs> no, no no offense, Pastor Raleigh. I'm just... So I, the only time I ever prep before, all I do is read like my RCIA notes from like the year yeah. before or something. So, But maybe I will. I'll prep because I don't want to I don't want to be taken to the the cleaners to the cleaners. Right. Uh, exactly, right. it'll all be good. It'll, <clears throat> it'll be, good. be great. So this is your opportunity to call in with a question. It doesn't have to be theological. It can be anything that has anything to do with the world that we're living in, which is by all accounts has gone mad. Yes, it has. And so uh, we live in crazy, crazy times. And so uh, you know, I mean, people of faith and even people that aren't of faith are facing this craziness of this world all together. And so how do we make sense of it? You can, so it can be any type of question you want. It doesn't just have to be theological. That number again is 877-795-0122. And we're looking for your questions 
And it could be Catholics, so, non-Catholics. It's just like, you know, the call-in no. shows on EWTN and when I listen to the 88.1 throughout the day, uh, call to communion and the one that um, Father Mitch Pacwa, you know, a lot of non-Catholics call in. So if you have non-Catholics listening, please call in with a question for Father yeah. Rich. And a lot of I the, see a couple coming in now, but it's going to take a second for them to turn green for us. And a lot of these, um, uh, you know, because Real Presence Radio does have a lot of these call-in shows, but they're national call-in shows. Yes. So this is your only opportunity on a more local level. And when we say local, we're, million. We're, you know, we're talking about local, you know, you know, fairly large geographic area, but uh, it's much more local than the than the national shows that we have. And so, you do have a better opportunity to get online here, get on the air. If you you know have never had the opportunity to talk to a priest or been afraid to talk to a priest, ask him a particular question. Uh, now is your time. And so again, it's a eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. So we have one here. All right, just uh, turned green. Yes, it did. Carrie from North Dakota. She's not on the radio. She's not on the radio. So I'm make sure we're done typing here. Um, with apostolic succession, do the bishops know which specific apostle they descend from? Very That's good. First part. Very good question, Carrie. So, um, no. So, you know, when we hear the terminology of the Dark Ages, the Dark Ages are called that not because they were actually dark, but because there was no record keeping. And so we know very little about the record keeping. The Catholic Church is phenomenal as far as being record keepers. But during the Dark Ages, we lost. We didn't keep records, and there's a lot, a lot of things that were lost. The the pedigree, as we say, or apostolic succession of bishops, as we have today, generally goes back to about the 11th century. And so, uh, most bishops would uh, probably have this because there's actually people that really do this for a hobby and not for a living, but they love doing the pedigree of of uh, the line of succession of ordinations. And I and I know that most bishops, when they get ordained, that they have the opportunity to see what their pedigree is to see. You know, what bishop ordained them, what bishop ordained that bishop, what ordained that bishop, and going all the way back. To my best of my knowledge, I think we're 12th, 11th century that we have records to, and so that's where it would end. And so one of our former bishops here in Duluth, Bishop Dennis Schnur, actually had his pedigree uh, framed on his wall in his office. And so you went to his office, you could see who ordained him, who ordained the guy before him, and who ordained that guy, all the way back to... Again, I think it's like the 11th wow. century, and so that's um, uh, that's what we know as far as like the the apostolic succession pedigree of a particular bishop. There is part two to this question: What are you doing to celebrate Mary's birthday? What am I doing? Oh, I've got a very busy day tomorrow, and so but it starts off with the best part of my day, and that is Mass. And so, um, uh, of course, liturgically, Mary is one of only three birthdays that we celebrate. Um, Deacon John, uh, should I give you a trivia question? No, I don't do trivia. Okay, okay. I, got, I do this stuff, yeah. I was okay, a bad tester in school. Wanna, I don't want to embarrass him. So, <laughs> so Mary is one of only three uh, biological birthdays that we celebrate liturgically. Jesus, of course, is one, and John the Baptist is the other. And so, you know, we, um, we have a very, liturg- it's a very important liturgical day for tomorrow, uh, you know, which is nine, days a- nine months after the Immaculate Conception. That's why we have the, the birth of Mary on the 8th of September. It's nine months after uh, the 8th of September uh, of December where we um, honor the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Do you Mary. have a special Marian chasuble that you have? I do. I have a chasuble, which is a mass vestment that priests wear. And so my chasuble is actually, the, the image is taken from a very old um, a, a very old vestment that got destroyed, but the image is um, uh, still in good shape. And then I had a parishioner make a chasuble with that image on it. So it's a newer chasuble, nice. but the image of Mary on it is very, very old. Oh, very nice. Very nice. All right, I have another question from Natasha. Given recent instances of loss of priests taking sabbatical, what can the lay people do to help? 
beyond our prayers? That's a great question. Okay, loss of priests um, due to sabbaticals. Take, okay, sabbat- Well, we can lose priests by other ways too. We can, so, yes. So sabbaticals, at least in the diocese of Duluth, a sabbatical, a typical sabbatical, is three months. Uh, you can petition to have it longer, and you are um, uh, you are permitted to do a sabbatical after your first ten years, and then every ten years after that. I've never taken a sabbatical. And very few priests these days take sabbaticals, I have to say. It does happen. Uh, but then sometimes priests leave the priesthood. You know, that happens as well. And, or are or, or on a leave for whatever reason, for an extended period of time. There's a whole host of reasons um, why that would be the case, why a priest would be gone for a while. And I'd say, you know, what can we do as lay people to help beyond our prayers? I would say, number one, prayers are super key to pray for your priest. I'll say this, is that I think that, you know, priestly morale is not necessarily high across the board these days. It's tough to be a priest. It's tough to be married as well. But just the way the um, the world is right now and, you know, some aspects of priesthood, you know, we're in the news a lot, not often for good things. And, you know, priests often feel like we're sitting ducks for any type of accusation, at, no matter what. If an accusation is made, uh, it changes our life, whether there's any uh, thing to the accusation or not. And so that it all that weighs down priestly morale. And so praying for your priest is paramount, absolutely paramount, so that the priest stays healthy and that the priest stays joyful in his in his vocation. As far as what you can do beyond prayers, you know, that would have to be up to your basic parish community. And if there's something that a priest would do that maybe he can't do because he's not there right now, like that would be good for a layperson to do. It could be anything from visiting the sick or... Uh, you know, going to nursing homes, whatever. And but that would be on the that'd be totally based on the, the local parish um, need. And those are great ideas. But also, ask them over for dinner. Yeah, you know, socialize for coffee, that type of stuff. But Just, he's but he's saying. But the question is one. Natasha's one. The priest is gone. Oh yes, true. Yes. Yeah. So what can they do to fill in for right. Yeah, the nursing right. homes, the visiting the sick, that type of stuff. It's it's a great one. But to help keep priests healthy. Socialization is also very right. important. Thank them for their service. Yes, that's thank important you for your service that, that, because you know that is important because you know lots of times priests don't get thank yous. You know the, the the typical thing is like a lot of times people will come out after mass and they'll say, "Oh, Father, nice homily," but they don't. If you ask them what the homily was about, they probably won't even know. They may not. You know? Yeah, and it's happened time and time again to me. I know this is kind of funny, but it, it does happen where the deacon preaches and they come to me and say, Father, nice homily. I say, well, <laughs> that so, wasn't me. <laughs> so when people say, when people uh, are thankful to the priest, be a little bit more deliberate about it than right. just saying something as you leave church. Be really deliberate. Because, you know, I mean, priests need affirmation, just like everyone needs affirmation. Lots of the things that priests get are not affirmation. You have to have thick skin to be a pastor because you make decisions and you always tick off half the people. And so it's very quick to hear people that are negative on priests, but... Yeah. Um, to go out of your way to be, uh, um, uh, you know, complimentary or whatever, positive towards the priest goes a long ways. Well, and when I say for thanking them, not just for Sunday services that are done, but for the week and what you do throughout the week. No, 80% of the parishioners probably don't understand what your week no is clue. like. They, they have, have no, no clue. clue. And it gets very, very busy for you. So to thank mm-hmm. you for caring for all of the pastor, all the parishioners in your area is very important. We have another question. These questions that come in, this they is are, great. It's fantastic. Bruce from Duluth says, I've always heard that socialism never works. But weren't the early Christians socialists? Well, I mean, thanks, question. Uh, thanks, Bruce, for the question. Uh, not socialists the way we use socialists now. I mean, in fact, in fact, usually people, when they talk about the early church, they don't talk about socialism, they talk about communism, because everything is held in common. And there are, you know, there is one, you know, passage in particular in the Acts of the Apostles that te- speaks of the fact that, you know, they were all in unison and they held all things in common. 
we have to be careful to not think that everything was, you know, all flowery and perfect just by how that was done because of that one paragraph in Acts of the Apostles. The church had all sorts of problems, and uh, it wasn't necessarily, um, uh, you know, all uh, everything held in common and everything perfect. Paul, in writing his letters, he's doing nothing but correcting bad behavior in the early church. And so when you when we listen to most of the New Testament, or at least half the New Testament, it's corrective behavior to the early church. And so socialism as a government structure that we know of it today, no. That, I'm sorry, is not compatible with Catholicism. It's not. And socialism, when you take it to the final degree, when you take socialism, socialism to its logical conclusion, it's complete control. Because that's when the government takes over on almost everything and you lose your um, uh, personal your freedom. personal freedom, your personal liberty, and so the church uh, is never one to endorse a government structure. Uh, you know, I think that I'm, I know I might be a little bit off on this, but I do think there was either Augustine or Thomas Aquinas that talked about the the benign emperor, the benign uh, king, or benign queen as maybe the best form of government. That you had a uh, a sovereign leader that was benign towards the subjects and always looking for the good of the subjects and not for the power of the government. And that would be the uh, um, that would be the best way to go, to have that personal liberty and freedom. Socialism necessarily usurps that. And we see that more and more happening in our own country. We could get very political here, but definitely um, uh, there's definitely one party that's careening towards socialism, and it's concerning. It's very concerning in our country right now. It is, and... and uh there's a desire by some to want to be taken care of in fashion. Yeah, and the nan- I, the, by and the I, nanny state. And I don't understand that. It's we just we just had Labor Day, and uh, Labor Day means that you work for yourself. You don't, you know, you work for the good of your family and yeah. yourself, and you get dignity by the work. You don't work for the state, and you and so it's it gives autonomy to the person by being able to work and support themselves. Call eight seven 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 nine five zero one two. That's eight seven seven. Seven nine five zero one two two, or on our Facebook page, we've had a good line of uh, yes. questions so far. We have not had anybody on the air yet, and love so to have someone on the air. We would love to have somebody on the air. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or via Facebook, and then call in with any question, any topic they want to talk about, whether it be politics, which is uh, area you're very skilled and knowledgeable in, how it relates to the church, whether it be your daily environment. What are you doing? How do you care for the sick and your parishioners? How do you deal with the school? Whatever you want. 877-795-0122. I'm, uh, I'm somewhat of a political junkie and a news junkie, and we're actually going to be um, uh, talking. I don't want to take the thunder out of it yet, but uh, um, later on in the show, we're going to be talking to somebody that has a lot to do with news from a Catholic perspective. And so stay t- uh, tuned to that because it's going to be... It's the next segment. It's going to be super, super um, interesting to listen to. It, it, it is going to be because I'm very excited about that as well because I'm relatively new to that. Yep. And I tell you, since I was uh, made aware of it, I have been on it daily. For those um, of you that are, for those of you that are listening, just hold tight because the next segment is going to be, from my perspective, the number one best news source from a Catholic angle. Yep. And but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're still exactly. waiting for questions. And so 877-795-0122 that last question about socialism. You know, I mean, obviously when you turn on the news, this is the type of stuff we're listening to now. We're we're listening to what's going on in our government and the the scandal of it or some people love that sort of thing. What's going on, but it's certainly cause of concern and cause of debate. 
And we're not hearing most of the news that's around us. That's the challenge. We're not hearing what's taking place in our local community anymore. Right. It's being fed to us based on what they want us to hear. That's right. And so the media is concerning. The media is so, concerning. So, so, yeah, the, yeah, the media is, uh, you know, I mean. Somebody's got to call in with this. Yeah, nobody nobody is unbiased. And so everybody's biased. But uh, if you look at just the, the mainstream media, there, the percentage of uh, one party affiliation is extreme, like in the 90 percentile. Yeah. And so uh, don't, don't think that you are not fed in the media a bias that is very clearly tilted towards one direction. So over the last three or four months, I have looked at both sides of the news sites just online. I haven't watched TV news since February 20th of last year. Wow. Um, but looking online... To see what's being covered on them, very different. A, very different, very it's different, very different. So, if anybody's cruising the news channels, please cruise both sides so you can see the difference yeah. that's out there. Yeah. So, school's back in session. I see kids coming and going. That's very it exciting. Is. Somebody yep. must have a question about school and yeah. curriculum. Anything like that? Anything that has anything to do with life these days? There's there's no end of uh, topics that we can discuss, but you have to call seven nine five zero one two two. Or via Facebook. So we've had a lot of good questions at the beginning. We have nobody in the hopper yet. So yeah. right now, you're just going to listen to Deacon John and I blabber yep. until you come up with a good question. So let's say something to really get somebody agitated. Okay, go ahead. While I go. Come on, where's your courage, Deacon John? I don't have as much as you do. I have no problem speaking well, okay, to so I did preach tough a couple, subjects. I did preach a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, as a... Uh, uh, I thought it was a great homily. It had a lot you, of positive comments. If you do comments. say so yourself. Yeah, I had a lot of positive comments on it. I had no one walk out. Okay. Um, the one I did have last October, I did have two people walk out on it. So, um, What was the homily about? Uh, it was about uh, the a politi- little bit about politics because the church does support a governing body when it's for the common good of all. Okay. Not in regards to socialism, as as it was alluded to in regards to that what the mm-hmm. early church was. And I touched in regards to abortion and what we as Catholics right. believe and Roe versus Wade and all that type of stuff. So um, it was, I felt, a very heartfelt uh, homily because you're always trying to touch individuals that are out there and open their hearts to Catholic teaching. Um, but what did you preach on this last weekend? This past weekend? Yeah, I'm just asking you. Yeah. Well, I preached on the first um, uh, line from the prophet Isaiah when he talks about not to fear fear not. Okay. And uh, I started off the homily by explaining there's a lot of things to fear. Yeah, okay. And, and uh, um, I kind of listed them off. And then in light of these things that are legitimate causes for fear, we have to listen that, that God trumps all fears. Yeah. That no fear or no cause of any fear is stronger than God. And that first line from Isaiah is very strong towards that. And so then I... Uh, Focused on that. All right. So, get, you know, again, people got a little bit, I don't know, if I'm sure I always ruffle feathers, but because, you know, I was talking about things that were very common to the news cycle these days right now that we're dealing with, that uh, I'm sure that some people were not happy with it, but I didn't have anybody leave. Do you have many people tell you that as they leave? Or they weren't happy with it? Or did they call you afterwards? They'll call afterwards. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, uh, more when you're more when you're new to a parish. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, like, Father Rich is baked in the cake now. You know, so it's like, you know, I mean, you, you, know, you, you get, you get, you know, you, you know what you get with Father Rich. And I'm, and I'm fine with that. You know, I'm, I, uh, I'm, uh, I have no problem speaking to hard truths yeah. and not to be controversial. I don't want to be controversial. It's not my point. I don't mind offending, though. You know, offending people, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Not, not in a crass sort of way. No, but you're speaking the truth, and we right. need that. We need right. to speak the truth. We have one coming in until it turns green, though. In regards to speaking the truth, we need to not be afraid to speak the truth because people need to hear it because there is confusion. It's very, um, uh, I, you know, don't get upset at brother. I, I always don't get upset at priests for being afraid to do that because it does take courage. Um, I, I take, I'll, 
I will not say anything on my side, on my own. It's not, it's not a virtue of mine. God made me this way to where I want to speak out, so I love doing it. But anyway, we have on the phone, we have Alice from Bismarck. Alice, welcome to Real Presence Live. Hi. Um, I The scripture after Jesus rose from the dead and um, Mary Magdalene found him or bumped into him, and, and I think she was going to hug him, and he said, don't cling to me, I have not yet risen to my father, and um, it just seemed kind of strange. <laughs> like, yep. why would he say that? Don't cling to me. Yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, it's not that he hasn't fully risen, it's that he hasn't ascended yet to his father, and that was the, the context. And so, you know, the resurrection accounts are full of mystery, and um, there's a lot of scholars that have debated what Jesus was getting at, what's the point here. And, you know, I think the, the, maybe the one that's the, the answer, or at least the, the theory that is probably most um, acceptable from my standpoint, is that Jesus wanted to make it very clear to Mary Magdalene that things are different now. And so his relationship or her relationship to him is now very different. He, it's not like it during his public ministry. And so to, to draw home a point to her by pointing to her that, that things are different, my relationship with you has changed. Uh, it's still very obviously an important relationship, most important relationship, but it's different. And so for Jesus to tell her, don't cling to me, I haven't ascended to our Father yet, our Heavenly Father yet, um, uh, though full of mystery as a, as a comment, and we, don't, we won't know for sure until we get to heaven, but most commentators would say it was more to highlight that there is a different relationship now that Jesus has with Mary Magdalene and with all of us. I don't know if that makes any sense, Alice, but that's what I got for you. Okay. Thanks, thanks for Thank calling. You. We have another listener. We have, uh, Lu- is it Lois or Lewis from Duluth? Uh, not on the phone, though. Oh, not on the phone. Not on the phone. Go ahead and read So, um, Lois from Duluth, why don't priests pray that Americans reject <laughs> socialism and turn back to God at Mass? Why don't priests pray that Americans reject socialism and turn back to God at Mass? Well, I pray that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think I mean, maybe out loud yeah. you're asking or have it be an intention. Yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, you know, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you have to, we don't want to get political in our petitions at Mass. And we don't want to make anything at Mass political. You know, I mean, when you're preaching a homily and sometimes things, people think that it's political, but it's always going to be based on Catholic teaching. And so at least, I mean, at least that's what should be done. And so, uh, you know, I mean, as far as like praying to reject socialism, uh, I'm sure some priests do. I mean, I do in my own uh, personal prayer life. But the Mass, we have to be careful about the Mass, about interjecting necessarily a p- real politics into it. Uh, although, again, a lot of my people probably think that I do that. But, I, again, I, I don't do that. I, I never once name a party or, uh, or a candidate. I just don't do that. Uh, but I do name the issues. And the issues should be abundantly clear from the, from the pastor. Or from the homeless. Yep, most definitely. So we have another question. We have about five minutes, so please, folks, uh, 877-795-0122. But we have an anonymous person who submitted, why are there six candles or lamps on the altar in our Catholic churches? Does it have some significance? That's a very good question, anonymous. I wonder who you are. So, um, uh, you know what? I, I don't know if I can answer that. I do know that a seventh... At least I think a seventh is always when a bishop is present. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, back in the olden days, you used to have low masses, high masses, where a low mass might have like two candles, but then the high mass, which we don't really talk about anymore. We don't, we don't use that terminology anymore, at least not generally speaking. And so maybe the high mass had the highest amount of car, uh, candles. But you're perfectly fine having two candles, four candles, three candles, 
you name it. But um, uh, so six candles seems like a typical thing, uh, just kind of like a uh, you know that's what we have at St. James. We have three on one side and three on the other side from the on the on the floor on these really tall um, uh, uh, candle stands. But uh, it primarily primarily dates back, I suspect, to the high mass versus the low mass. So when I was a server here back when I was young. We used to do the low mass, just the altar candles, high mass, or ones by the tabernacle. Yeah, as well. and we did that at St. John's when yeah, I was growing up, too. All right, we have Patrick from Patrick Gillette. Patrick on the phone. Hi. Hi, Patrick. Just, uh, I was just wondering why um, a lot of these politicians, even clergy and stuff, aren't being excommunicated for their support of uh, horrendous things like abortion. Mm hmm. Um, you know, and I just read in Texas that uh, the Church of Satan is bringing a uh, lawsuit against Texas for right. their um, anti-abortion bill. Yep. Because it said they said that it infringes on their right to uh, child sacrifice. Yep, I, re- I, re- I read that same thing. <laughs> so uh, your question is why is nothing being done about Catholic politicians? You know, uh, Patrick, I think that um, it's a good question. You know, it's more of an issue of the bishops. The bishops are the ones that make that judgment. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think they want to they take every in, instance into to prudent, you know, um, uh, um, prayer and, you know, guidance from the Holy Spirit. And they often ask the question, would it be more harmful to do uh, an excommunication? Would it actually blow up in our face, so to speak? And so there's this, there's this a fine line that we have to walk. It's like, yeah, I mean, we have to speak up very strongly against these politicians that claim to be Catholic that are clearly not Catholic by their, say, the abortion issue in particular. Our president's one of them. Speaker of the House is another one. And so we have to be clear yeah. on those types of things. But does excommunication, is that, is that, could that be counterproductive? That's up for the bishops to decide. So, But that's a good question. If, if I was a bishop, which I am not, if I was a bishop, I think that I would err on the side of being very, very strong uh, because I am in 100% agree with you, Patrick, in regards to the horrendous nature of some of these things from our quote-unquote Catholic politicians. very short amount of time, so we'll go to the next question. So thank you, Patrick. Uh, Phil on Facebook says, Many saints stated verbally and in print that they finished the race and were heaven-bound. On the surface, this seems presumptuous. How did they know? Well, I mean, even, well, I mean, I don't know. Finishing the race, St. Paul talks about trying to finish the race. And so I don't know. I would have to know, Phil, I'd have to, I'd have to see a, an example of that. I don't think that if a, if a saint is maybe at the point of their death, if they have their knowledge that death is at hand for them, like St. Therese of Lisieux, I think, the little flower, they have a book out there called The Final uh, Statements of St. Therese. That's because the sisters were writing down everything she wrote when she was on her deathbed. And it's a great read, the, the final comments or final conversations of St. Therese. It's really a great read. And there's a number of times where she, she, this is where she says, you know, I'll spend my heaven doing good on earth. So we hear those famous quotes of her as she's about to face death. And so I think that, not so much that it's a pompousness. When I think of St. Therese, it's like, um, St. Therese was at a point, it's like, okay, I'm surrendering myself totally to God's will, and I know that God's will is all about love and mercy. And so I've lived my life as a sinner as I am, as these saints always recognize their sinfulness. I'm, I'm entrusting myself to God's mercy. And so if in God's mercy, it's saying that I'm, uh, I'm going to be saved, then I'm going to spend my heaven doing good on earth. But anyhow, these have been great questions, and uh, thank you for um, asking all these questions. We are now in front of a hard break, and so more right after this. 